Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Pittsburgh Steeler fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Hartman, your host of Let's Ride Your Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning podcast right here on the Steel Curtain Network, which is a part of the Fans First Sports Network. Make sure you check us out at steelcurtainnetwork.com as well as fansfirstsports.com. We are really unloading some of our written work. I hope you check us out. We have a great show today. We've got a lot of stuff to discuss. I, If you think back a couple weeks ago on a Monday, I had... Two affiliates on, one covers the Bengals, one covers the Browns, was John Suchan and Brandon Harriet, both cover the Bengals and Browns, uh, respectively. Didn't have a Ravens affiliate on, if you recall. Well, I went out and I found two guys that like the Ravens. They do a podcast. I'm going to have them on the show. That's going to be the first half of this show, is to kind of see where do the Steelers kind of match up with the Ravens, a team that I've unfortunately have to hear a lot about living in the state of Maryland. I, you might be wondering, where's the training camp update? We'll be doing all that on Monday. No new injuries from practice so far this week on, as of Thursday. Uh, the defense continues to dominate seven shots. Uh, they've they've won the last two since the last time I spoke with you. The offense has only won one, and that's the very first one. So not too much to talk about there. I'm going to dive first. We're going to take a quick break. I'm going to dive headfirst into this conversation with these Ravens fans. I think you'll enjoy it, and then we'll have the – Uh, We'll have the heart-to-heart at the very end, as well as the all-bets-are-off segment in the second half. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. All right, Steeler fans, so here's the deal. You know a couple weeks ago I had the Bengals and Browns on my podcast, and I was talking about their seasons, their off-seasons, their drafts, you name it, getting you, the Steeler fan, ready to go for this division, this really, really difficult AFC North division. I didn't have a Ravens. I didn't have no, no Ravens representation on that show, so I went out and I found two guys, Josh and Brandon from the Caw Podcast, and they were kind enough to join us today, Friday, on this morning podcast. Let's ride. Josh, welcome to the show. How are you? Good, Jeff. How are you? Thanks for having us. Oh, no problem. Brandon, what about you? How are you doing? Doing fantastic. Can't wait to talk some Ravens-Steelers rivalry. Let's do it. I mean, does it get any better than that? Like, I, I got to be honest. I, I don't. I can't speak for you as a Ravens fan. I can only speak as a Steelers fan. When people say AFC North, you think of two teams. You think of the Steelers and the Ravens. You don't think about the Browns. You don't think about the Bengals. Do you do, do the Ravens fan base view it the same? Is it just vice versa in terms of when they think of rivalry, it's Steelers, or are the other teams still in the mix? No, no, it's Ravens Steelers all the way. I yeah, mean, that's what I thought. I mean, it, it, it's it's the premier week, and you hear from players, right? You know, when it's Steelers, you always hear that mantra around here: Steelers Week. Oh, it's yeah. that extra focus. 
and you hear it all in the Ravens kind of the, the media, right? You hear it like the players are extra quiet. They're putting in more work and, and even for the divisional games. And I think it was Pete Manning that said it once that said like, there's your regular season, there's your divisional games and then your playoff games. And then your playoff games with your divisional opponent. So like yeah. it ramps up in steps. So no, it's, yeah, I mean, look, division rivals, you know, across the board, Raven Steelers, uh, Raven Steelers uh, are top of the list across the AFC North, no question. We've yeah, had I mean, do you echo that, Brandon? Battles back in the day. I, I mean, Raven Steelers. That is something, especially when the schedule comes out. That's the first one you're looking for. You're looking for those two weeks. You circle them. However, yeah. I do have to tell you, Joe Burrow and the Bengals. They are making a dent in that rivalry. Ravens and Bengals. Good I mean, point. that is be Lamar versus Joe Burrow. That is a huge uh, rivalry that, again, people are circling them. We saw that in Baltimore uh, last year, Sunday night football. I mean, that was that was a fantastic game. If you're a Ravens fan to watch, let's not talk about what happened in the playoffs. But, uh, <laughs> you know, Ravens Steelers, but Ravens Bengals. I mean, both great games to watch. For sure. Yeah. Now let's start with the player you just mentioned from the Ravens, Lamar Jackson, a very polarizing figure across the NFL landscape, not just within the division. The everything from he doesn't have an agent to the back and forth with the team. He finally signs a big money deal. I want to get, though, from a fan's perspective. What did they think of the contract that was given to Lamar? Do they were they happy with it? Was it too much? Was it risky? Josh, we'll start with you. What do you think? Sure. Um, Was it too much or adequate? Really, who knows what that number is, right? You know, right. you know, and and he may meet my words because all, you can go back to the shows. I was, I was really adamant and against the whole agent thing, and I was like, no, he needs an agent. This thing's too complex. He's trying to represent himself. He needs to focus on playing. There's a reason why. Call it what it is. Like ninety nine point eight percent of the players probably have an agent. There's a reason why, and that's the blueprint for success. So I'm like, look, and then it kind of got me thinking. I'm like, all right. Rope, they traded for Oquan. He doesn't have an agent. He got a deal done. So I'm like, can it happen? So when it actually happened, I was like, I ate some humble pie on the show. I'm like, I was wrong. Lamar proved a lot of folks wrong, right? Um, look, you can ride the coattails all you want from an MVP season of 2019. Um, but Brian Billick, the late coach here of the Ravens, he used to be, uh, he wanted to Super Bowl championship with us. He's always said, this is a what have you done for me lately league. And to, for Lamar, what have you done lately? You know, off injured regression in, in the uh, passing game, the statistically leadership. You can see it. If you go back to the MVP year and watch highlights and then watch his demeanor is, is even as, as last year, I didn't see that leader that was worth that chunk of change. Right. But when it actually happened, you know, we were all relieved. I'm like, look, he secured the bag. He got it done. Well, deserving of him, right? Round of applause. He, he got the contract. He thought he was deserving. The Ravens, um, you know, negotiated with him through till the end. And you have to read between the lines, right? Like the tweets that came out from him and, and the whole requesting a trade. It was a game. And when you really didn't know the end result, Jeff, it kind of really made you think like, all right, if you don't want to be here. And the end result for me, it was kind of like I was over it at that point. Like, look, I wrote for the name on the front, not the back for a reason. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, you know, when push came to shove, it's me as a, from a fan perspective. I'm like, look, you know, love you, bud. You know what you do here. But look, if he's not the quarterback of the Ravens next year, it's going to be crazy. But, 
you know, we're going to have to live with it. Me and Brandon are going to have to cover the show regardless of who's quarterback in the team. So we can't just – this isn't the Lamar Jackson podcast. This is, this is about, you know, supporting the Vaughn Ravens. So this way I look at it. But I am certainly relieved he's done because I've been a fan of his since draft day, since day one in 18. So, um, you know, I'm a little bit biased in that regard. And I love the guy. I love this character. love his play. It's exciting for me. And we just all want to see him succeed and do better and do better. He must now with this contract. Brandon, do you echo that as well? Or do you think that uh, maybe there was something left on the table for either side? I think as a fan base, I just think everyone's happy that the deal is done, that they don't have to worry about that position. Because obviously when Lamar is hurt, he's not playing. This team doesn't do well. So the fact that the deal is done, he is the guy that we are going to have as QB1 for the next five years. I think fans were just kind of like, all right, it's over. It's done with. Let's move on. Let's play. Whether he was worth that contract or not, we're going to have to know in the next five years. I mean, it's going to be Super Bowl or bust for this team, and they've invested in him. He's promised that since day one, and uh, the Ravens are, are giving him a chance to prove that. I will say I didn't like some of the tweets that came out. I don't like putting out the I requested a trade while Coach Harbaugh is in front of microphones at mm -hmm. uh, the owner's meeting. That really got under my skin. But, uh, you know, John Harbaugh still a coach. John Harbaugh and, and Lamar still get along every day. So it seems like it was all water under the bridge and it was just business. A deal was done. Only time will tell if it was actually worth it. But I have full faith in Lamar Jackson that he is able to get the job done, that he is QB1 for the next five years. And he, he says he's going to bring a Super Bowl to, to Baltimore. I think he can do it. Absolutely. I will say nope. this. Good, one I'm sorry, Jeff, is – the the timing of it when the deal got done was crazy, right? Hours before round number one on NFL primetime, it was kind of like it for us as fans, it was all the talk. It wasn't even like who the Ravens might draft. It was more like that stole the show. It was a show yeah. stealer. So it was kind of like I thought the timing of the contract and and when it got done and the breaking news of it was really interesting to me. I don't think that's that was unique in itself because I don't think that's ever happened before, if I can remember. Well, and even like you said, even the timing of the tweets, if he wants a trade, right, is John Harbaugh sitting down at the league meetings for breakfast and being peppered with questions. Like, it's just the timing of everything. But, Brandon, I want to go back to you for a second because Lamar Jackson getting a long-term deal is not the only changes that have happened in Baltimore offensively. You see this, this philosophical switch. They're going – it seems like they're trying to go away from run, run, run that they did with Greg Roman for all those years, and they were successful. They were the best running offense in the National Football League it did often lead to the quarterback getting hurt. <clears throat> Excuse me. Now they've switched offensive coordinators, and it looks like with the additions of Odell Beckham Jr., Zay Flowers in the draft, it looks like they want to kind of air it out more. As a fan, what are your thoughts and what are your expectations for the offense in 2023? I mean, expectations for the offense is that they've, they've got to be close to being perfect. I mean, the big complaint always was Lamar doesn't have targets. He, he doesn't have a wide receiver core. They went out and they they got Odell Beckham Jr. I mean, yes, he is a couple years uh, away from playing, but if you see him in training camp, he looks like he's having a good time. It looks like he's healthy. All signs point to him being just an absolute threat with Lamar. Uh, and then they drafted Zay Flowers, and Zay Flowers, the reports out of uh, training camp have been nothing but stellar. I mean, people are coming in from the NFL network, from around the, the country, coming in, seeing Zay Flowers in training camp and saying, this is the best uh, rookie we've seen throughout any training camp that we've seen this year. So I think that the expectation is 
Lamar's a dual threat. He can run, but we don't want him just to be a runner. We want him to be able to throw. He's a quarterback that can throw the ball who can also run, not the other way around. So I think that having these threats in there are a, a huge deal for the Ravens. They're, they're giving Lamar the tools that he needs to be successful. The only question really uh, is uh, our, our uh, running backs. We don't know what's going to happen. J.K. Dobbins is still holding out. Uh, they seem to be uh, bringing in some guys to to fill in until this is all figured out. But the running back position really, I think, is the only question mark right now for the offensive uh, side of the ball. I mean, Josh, it, it, are they going to just start chucking it down the field? I mean, is this going to turn into an air raid offense the Offense in college? You know, you think about some of those schemes and something that Lamar Jackson did at Louisville. Let's not forget that. He threw the ball a ton in college. What do you think, Josh? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, Lamar already put it out there for us, right? He wants to throw for 6,000 yards. You're going to have to air it out a lot, right? And it was a big, lofty goal. Uh, I'm all for goal setting Lamar, but hey, a little ambitious, but I know it was a little joking in their side. But, um, you know, look the way of the the running backs and the running game, they're kind of like a dinosaur and we don't want to forget them. And you can see it right now, like there's kind of mutiny with running backs, right? Like they're all kind of getting together. And, and there was a report out that came out that like the average salary for NFL kickers is more than the average salary for an NFL running back, which is insane. Right. So, um, you know, I mean, we're lucky to have Tucker, but besides the point, um, you know, it's, you have to run to set up the pass. It's a balance. And to hear that, you know, where we might go with the passing game. It gets me excited for one. Number two, our new offensive coordinator, Tom Munkin. He wants to get Lamar back to that Louisville college offense. And you hear the grumbling sometimes through the NFL, right? It's can't run a college style offense. The NFL it's too big, too fast. It's a different game. Look, I th- maybe it can happen. I don't know. Um, I have to go back out there and look at some of the teams that follow that same blueprint. You have to you figure those West Coast offensive mindset teams. One comes to mind is San Fran with Kyle Shanahan. So it's yeah. just that run and gun, spread it and go. Um, that's the way it is now. You know, I was talking to Brandon a little bit ago, uh, a few weeks ago, and I was like, you know, watching that Bullies of Baltimore documentary about the championship for thirty Super Bowl thirty five. It's quite interesting. You see highlights of Jamal Lewis. The mantra around here was give Jamal the ball. You know, you know, we missed that kind of just that luxury of just handing it off to a bruising running back. Now it's a lot of committees, dual threats. The running backs are faster. They're involved in the passing game. And you know, yeah, I get it. The JK's disgruntled, but I, I I want Lamar to run a little bit less. Run it when he sh- has to, not just by design. I mean, look, a design runs are good, but. Now that you've invested that big cash into him right now, his primary suit should be an arm arm threat and let him throw first. It's kind of like you see what Mahomes does and such. Like they run when needed and bail you out situations. Lamar, right, great athlete. I don't want him to run for another, you know, great. It's great when he runs for a thousand yards, Jeff, but I, I don't want to see that out of my quarterback. Right. I, I want, you know, they added Melvin Gordon for a reason. I want, you know, ju- you know, I want that running game to really succeed and to take pressure off Lamar play action, set everything up. And I'm really looking forward to Ton Munkin's fingerprints on this offense to see how that passing game opens up. Because, look, you know, call it what it is. The Ravens on paper um, don't play the game on paper, right? But the Ravens on paper between the tight ends and the right Ravens core have probably the best suite of pass catchers right now. And I had the opportunity to go to the camp this week and see them up close. Um, they look good. And, and uh, I can't wait to see what happens when they're unleashed complimentary footballs, what you're kind of talking about between the run and the pass, but also offense and defense. Brandon, I want to ask you, I said this before we went live on the air last year's Baltimore Ravens defense was not a very Ravens esque defense. Uh, Struggled to get to the passer at times, struggled to stop the run. 
very anti Baltimore Ravens when you think about historically where they did. Where do you think the defense is headed? Invested heavily in Roquan Smith, rightfully so, is a hell of a player. But it, what's this? Where, where's everyone thinking about the defense moving into 2023? You lose some cornerbacks. Obviously, Marlon Humphrey's still there, but Peters is gone. What are your all's thoughts on the defense? Brandon, we'll start with you. Yeah, of course, the cornerbacks is are, are always going to be a concern. Like you said, Marlon Humphrey is there. Marcus Peters is not. Uh, Rocky Asin recently got hurt this week, so he's going to miss some time. They don't think it's a, 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 a break or anything like that, so hopefully he'll be good by week one. But the other names you brought up, Roquan Smith. I mean, this guy in the locker room as well as just being on the field. I mean, he revolutionizes your, your defense. He gets, uh, he gets guys inspired, uh, pairing him up with Patrick queen. That's going to be an absolute, just a, a fantastic duo on the field that is going to be putting fear in the eyes of anybody they're up against. But you do have guys like David Ajabo. He was a guy that got drafted uh, two years ago. He, he uh, had hurt. He got, had got hurt on his pro day and he, dropped down to the second round and the Ravens Mm -hmm. picked him up. They invested in him. And from what I hear, he is going to just have a a fantastic season. He's never left the castle. He's constantly uh, working out. He's a guy that wants to be on the field. When he was hurt, he was still suiting up and watching practice. He wants to be out there on the field. Pairing him up with Adafi Owe, I think, is going to be great. They have a history together. I want to see all of that on the field. And I think it's very interesting that as of right now, the Ravens have not really brought in any veterans on the defense. You know, a lot, a lot of veterans kind of sit out, they, they go through training camp and at the last minute they're picked up, you know, Justin Houston was a guy that did that with the Ravens just last year. We're not hearing any kind of, of, chatter about bringing in a a, a a veteran like that on the defense. I think the Ravens are very impressed with who they have drafted and these young guys on the defense. And I think this defense is going to be quick. They're going to be hard hitting. I think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch because this really is, this is a very different defense. And I love the fact that they're putting so much faith in these younger players. Josh, go ahead. Your thoughts on the defense this year. Yeah, no, I, I certainly wanted to, mentioned that too. The the youth movement of this team is exciting to get behind. And, you know, you're right, Brandon. When you mentioned Ravens defense, they usually have leadership uh, with the veterans. But now you're seeing that the leadership take over with Roquan. You're seeing it with Marlon Humphrey. You're seeing it, you know, with the guys that have been on the roster, uh, either, you know, whether they're freshly new with the trade and acquisition or on the roster since draft day. So I'm excited with that. Um, gone are the ways of adding those free agents. Usually typically the Ravens love to dip in free agency for those Wiley veterans for that leadership. I think this year they've done it more so on the offensive side of the things. And you can see it with Melvin Gordon, with Odell Beckham, they're kind of shifting that focus on the offense now and the defense, they're letting the youth movement fly. And I love it. These guys are young. They are invigorating to watch. Um, it, It just gets you excited. And it reminds me of the old days, man, when you saw Ed Reed and Ray Lewis flying around on the field and, you know, these guys are hungry and, you know, yeah, they started off pretty flat last year. Um, but, they did boast an NFL best in points per game at the last stretch of the year. They were letting what, like 13 points per game um, when it was all said and done. So they, you know, you have to tip your hat off to them. They kept the Ravens in the games despite without eight being under center. Um, They made the playoffs because of it. Um, You know, so I'm excited to see what this defensive unit can do. And they're going to test the offense every day in practice. 
Great stuff, guys. I'll tell you what. I mean, I've learned more about the Ravens, more than I ever want to know about the Ravens. I do appreciate your time. Uh, Brandon, we'll let you go. Tell us where we can find you on social media as well as uh, plug the podcast in case people – hey, Steeler fans know this. They do want to know what's going on in the division. They will listen to other podcasts because they want to know what's going on behind enemy lines. So, Brandon, go ahead and do that now. Absolutely. So if you'd like to follow me on Twitter or X, I don't know what we're calling it anymore, yeah, but sure. Yeah. <laughs> X or Twitter, whatever, you can follow me at Brando Cash. If you want to listen to the call podcast, we're available on most us. Uh, podcast platforms. I know Stitcher recently shut down, but mm -hmm. if you want to listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, our favorite is Overcast. We're available there. We are available on YouTube as well. You can check us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash the call podcast. Like us over there. And we have our own Discord, discord.gg slash the call podcast. We do a game day chat. We do some tailgate talk, a little bit of everything. So if you are a Ravens fan or if you are a Steelers fan and you want some intel, you can listen to our show every single week. We'd love to have you over there. Josh and I do a podcast every single week, a review and a preview of the Baltimore Ravens. And we kind of talk about anything going on in Baltimore. So definitely check us out. We are the call podcast. Josh, anything to plug on your end? Yeah, absolutely. So you can follow me on the socials as well. Um, you know, I'm certainly on Twitter at a time GQ 52 as well. And, um, you know, Brandon certainly covered it. So, uh, you know, we'd be more than happy to, you know, host you, have you, you know, check in. And uh, like you, you said, behind enemy lines, it's always interesting to see what the enemy's doing and get a little piece in the sliver yeah. of, uh, of uh, what's to come this year. And I can't wait for that first Raven Steelers bout in October. It's always fun. It's always fun. Gentlemen, thank you for your time. Good luck this season. I'm sure we'll be talking during the season. Take it easy. Thank you, Jeff. Appreciate thank it. you. All right, Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome back to the second half of Let's Ride on this Friday. You know what time it is. It's y'all bets are off segment with Jeremy Jerome Betts. Jeremy, what is going on? Oh, man, things are going great. I'm excited. I'm going to training camp tomorrow, baby. Let's go. And it's going to be fun to watch these, this team play and practice live and in person. So, And that's coming off of a game just last night. How about that? Yeah, football is back. It's going to be exciting to see the Steelers even in preseason action. You're going to give us a firsthand look of what it was like with your training camp experience. I know our own Kevin Smith was there on Thursday in unpadded practice, which is a bummer for him. Uh, but nonetheless, yeah. you probably won't see a padded practice either, considering Friday Night Lights is the night before. So, womp, womp, womp. Sorry, Jeremy. You're probably <laughs> not going to see the pads popping. Yeah, I'll, I'll be a little bummed about that if, if that ends up being the case. You're probably right, but hey, I, at least I'll get to be there, take it in, yeah. see the guys play, maybe see some skill position drills, some one-on-one -on -one stuff, and that'll be fun. Absolutely. So I, I wanted to get your thoughts on just training camp in general, especially the padded portions of practice that we've heard of, seen from so far. Uh, anything stand out to you? I'm just going to kind of keep it open. doesn't have to be offense, defense, whatever. Hey, what has stood out to you? You follow it like I do on Twitter and social media when it pertains to the Steelers and training camp. What's what's definitely stood out? 
Yeah, I mean, you see the highlights, obviously, of um, George Pickens, Deontay Johnson making highlight reel catches. But I think the thing that has stuck out to me a, a lot has been Joey Porter Jr. And mm -hmm. uh, just the way he's played football. And a lot of people talk about the catch that George Pickens had over top of him. But if you if you follow the play all the way down, that's really good coverage from from JPJ. And I it, probably a little handsy. He, he might get called for some illegal contact there but still matching the physicality of Pickens all the way down the field and then also being able to run with him. Uh, Pickens is, is a slow guy, and we've also seen him run with Calvin Austin. We've seen that speed translate onto the field, and there were some concerns after the 40 times weren't exactly what we wanted to see or maybe what he wanted to see specifically at the combine. Just uh, He's got the athleticism. He can turn and move with these guys. Two picks in training camp also already, which is fantastic uh, to see as well. Um, he's been working on the jugs machine, and I think he realizes where he's maybe got some weak spots and wanting to improve on those, and you're seeing it already in camp, making plays on the football. He's uh, he's picked off Mitch Trubisky and Kenny Pickett now in back-to-back -back days, so that is impressive stuff from the rookie uh, getting hands on the ball, making plays. And I would like to say also, Corey Trice goes down uh, with the injury, and that's uh, very unfortunate. Rooting for the young man to have a full recovery quickly, but then you see James Pierre uh, getting some some run today, or I'm sorry, run on Thursday's practice, mm -hmm. and um, you see him breaking up passes, uh, making plays. That's good news for the Steelers as well, who were probably going to lean on Trice as some depth piece for this defense. Maybe they still have enough depth pieces to make it work at in the secondary. I've been super impressed with Joey Porter for a lot of reasons. You mentioned the, the catch, which everyone was talking about with George Pickens. He's a freak of nature at times. Yeah. And uh, you talked about his positioning was good on that play. I agree hundred percent. I love that he stuck with it and he, it doesn't phase him. You know, yeah. I mean, I, I, you hear it all the time. You got to have a short memory. You got to have a short memory. If there's a position in the NFL that you really do have to have a short memory, it is cornerback. You've got to yep. be able to just, Hey, put it behind you and move on to the next play. And what does he do later? He has a great interception. Like you said, he's picked off Mr. Trubisky and then Kenny Pickett on Thursday during the two minute drill from all reports. It was a great sideline interception where he got his feet inbounds. Yes. So he's definitely taking it in stride. He's talking about the challenge of, guarding George Pickens on a day-to-day on a -day basis. It's only going to make you better. I'll give you an example. Go back to when Artie Burns was selected. Yeah. Okay, Artie Burns, what did he say? I'm going to go against Antonio Brown every single day. And Antonio Brown literally broke that young man down to the point where you thought, this guy has no confidence yeah. left in his game. Would you agree that Joey Porter, he doesn't have that gene in his body. He's more of yeah. a guy that's going to be able to battle through it. Yeah, I was going to compare the two, actually, like, you, like you're mentioning. Artie Burns showed that he didn't really have that short memory and kind of let things get to him, I think, on the field. And when he, he messed up, it, it wasn't as easy for him to just bounce back. Hopefully, Joey Porter Jr. has that tendency. I think he does, just based on, like you said, what we're seeing here. And yes, George Pickens going against him daily is going to make him better. But I think, you know, just... <sighs> The, the versatility of this wide receiver room is going to help all the cornerbacks because when you line up on George Pickens, you're getting one style of receiver. When you line up on the other side of the field against Deontay Johnson, you're getting a completely, totally different wide receiver. Yeah. And then you've got Allen Robinson and you've got, you've got Calvin Austin, the third, um, and 
all the different skill sets that they bring. Joey Porter Jr. is going to see it all in training camp before he even steps on the field as far as the types of wide receivers he's going to get in the league. So learning to combat each one of those guys, maybe not just I'd like to see him uh, cover DJ, cover Allen Robinson, um, and not just be one-on-one with George Pickens all camp because he's going to have to see different types of receivers to really succeed at the in the league. Well, let's stick with the Joey Porter Jr. talk for a few more seconds before you transition. In your opinion, and what you've heard, read, seen video of Joey Porter Jr., I think before when the draft came around and he was selected 32nd overall, we all kind of said – it's going to take him some time. He might see some spot time here, there. Has that changed? Has his plan accelerated to the point where you might say, well, Hey, at this point, I might actually consider this guy to be playing a lot more earlier in the season. What are your thoughts? I'll point back to my podcast partner, Andrew Wilbar, who had Joey Porter jr. As the ninth overall prospect in his draft rankings. And he always believed that Joey Porter jr. Is a day one starter at cornerback. I was kind of a little less on board with that. And uh, I think I would say that that's kind of changing my perspective a little bit, just seeing him out there and the way he competes. And a lot of times for young players, you want to protect them a little bit and, you know, not put them in a position to fail right away. I'm starting to think that maybe Joey Porter Jr. follows the Kenny Pickett path a little bit where let's just get this guy in the game and see what he can do and let him learn from those in-game experiences. And for for the concerns that I had for Patrick Peterson coming in as far as the age and can he hold up another year in the league, can you rely on this guy to be a starting cornerback opposite you? For all those concerns, one thing we've none of us have had concern about is his ability to be a coach on the field for these young guys, and I think that that's making a huge impact on Joey Porter very early in this training camp. So I could see him pushing Levi Wallace for starting snaps very quickly to start the year. Maybe that's jumping the gun a little bit. We'll see. But I kind of tend to agree with you there that the thought process around this young man might be changing a little bit from, yeah, by week six or so, maybe he's the starter. Maybe it's week one. Hey, if he earns it, that's that's the biggest thing. We always talk about it on the Steelers preview. If he earns it, we're trying to avoid Kendrick Green situations where it's just been handed to him because there's no one else there. But uh, any other players uh, in particular, both positive or negative, stand out to you from the early stages of camp? I wouldn't say necessarily players, but let me go with a position group. That tight end group looks really good, as advertised. And it's not just... Darnell Washington, Pat Frymuth, it's it's uh, Connor Hayward making plays, uh, involved in the offense, realizing his role and and doing it well. I know he had a fumble in Thursday's practice. I know Coach Tomlin got on to him a little bit for that, and he was disappointed, needed a little bit of help on the sideline to kind of just get over it. But still, it just shows you that he cares, shows you that he wants to make the most of each of these reps. That tight end room could be the driving force for a really, really dangerous Steelers offense that is is very multiple and once you get down in the red zone you just don't know what they're going to do because any one of those guys can do anything on the field so it it might uh matt canada i said it before the the draft that darnell washington could be the the key to unlocking the matt canada offense i think canada's standing there on the sideline arms crossed real smug look on his face because he knows what he's got now in this tight end room and it could be special 
I hope you're right. And I, I do want to switch gears and kind of get away from training camp for a second. I was listening to your Steelers fix podcast this week. I was doing some work and I was listening to the tight end talk and my gosh, I realize it's been a really long time since I've played traditional fantasy football. Sure. Uh, it, it just, whether it's your, I, I, there are all these terms now that I, I'm like, I think I know what they're talking about, but I'm not <laughs> sure different types of leagues where they keep players and they get new players and all this stuff. Like, yeah. man, whatever happened to just the snaking draft with you and your buddies, uh, you know, right. every, every fall, but nonetheless, I started, you know, you guys were doing a great job diagnosing the tight ends. That was their weekly podcast this past week. Mm. Who do you think, in your opinion, provides the most in a standard league, yeah. the most value on the Steelers this season in terms of fantasy football? Najee Harris. Okay. Um, and even, I'm just, even with Jalen Warren playing yeah. well and potentially splitting uh, snaps, you think it's Najee? I do. I, I think the team's preference still is for Najee Harris to be the the big time, the RB1 in this offense, I should say. And, you know, Jalen Warren to supplement that, to provide a little bit of a, of a, a little bit of lightning to Najee Harris's thunder, give him a break, not overwork him. But still, I think even with the decreased workload, I think Najee Harris found some efficiency in the latter portion of last season. He found more of his style, found himself. I think he's going to be a huge part of this offense. And I think he's really going to be their their red zone weapon of choice and it's it's going to come down to him scoring touchdowns but i still think if you're wanting the most bang for your buck uh at a position for fantasy purposes you go Najee harris pat frymuth probably ranks the highest of players at his position group uh we had him as the tight end seven i believe and that's basically where he's going mostly in consensus uh boards as well but Najee Harris to me, by the end of the season, he's gonna he's gonna get you probably close to 250. If he has a really good season, it could be 275 uh, PPR fantasy points, and that's even without him seeing a lot of work in the passing game. So who's the player? Is you Najee's the guy that hey, if you can get him, get him. Who's yeah. the player that some people might be considering that you're saying I wouldn't touch him? Like it's not worth it because well, yeah. maybe it's a question about the offense. Maybe it's a question about overall productivity. Who's that guy? I don't know if there's a guy I would say don't touch him, but I would say don't get overzealous with Kenny Pickett in your okay. quarterback draft. I mean, he's probably a good guy to stash on your bench potentially for a a bye week or something like that. Right. But I wouldn't go targeting him as my QB two even in fantasy drafts. There's several guys that I would take above that if you went out and got uh, one of the one of the superstar quarterbacks and you just need a guy to kind of fill out the back end of your roster. Maybe he's good, but most likely you don't need him to be that's Kenny Pickett. And, and not to say he can't be really good this year as the Steelers quarterback and not be a good fantasy asset. Those two things can be true at once. He can be, he can be really good for the Steelers and still not be a, a fantastic fantasy quarterback because what the Steelers are going to ask him to do is not put up um, Justin Herbert and right. Josh Allen like numbers on this in this offense. It's going to be can you can you orchestrate this thing and get us up and down the field? So um, fantasy wise, don't reach for Kenny Pickett. It it's not going to be worth it in the end. I don't think um, if you're relying on him in especially like super flex leagues or uh, two quarterback leagues where where you're going to start two guys. Don't target him as your second guy that you're going to want to start every week. Uh, he's he's going to need to have more. Uh, more leeway than that. 
I get it. Last question real quick. What are your thoughts on the Steelers uh, defense special teams in terms of rankings amongst the, the league? You know, last year they tied for the league leading interceptions yeah. yet. They, they were not the best in terms of points. What are your thoughts there from a defensive perspective? A healthy TJ Watt means sacks will be way back up. I think um, you'd like them to score some more touchdowns, defense and special teams. I think they had the Minka Fitzpatrick interception return. And I th- mm-hmm. was that the only defensive score last year no, uh, against the yes, Bengals in week, one? week one. Yeah. yeah. So uh, get in the end zone a few more times. It, it, I think it can happen. I would, I would say they're a, a top five fantasy defense right now. And yeah. if you're going individual defensive players, it's going to be hard to, to label one guy as your tackling machine, but Minka Fitzpatrick and TJ Watt can be good assets to you depending on, if you're if you're in an IDP league that focuses on the pass rushers or or uh, uh, defensive backs, then you could go with one of those guys. I wouldn't go with a linebacker though. This Very game. good. All right, Jeremy. Thanks. Let's go ahead and tell everyone what's coming up on the fix. Your Q and A, which I believe you're still doing this Sunday. Uh, go ahead and lay it all out for everybody. Yeah, the, the Steelers fix. We're changing topics. We've gone through our our fantasy. Uh, kind of rankings and and world a little bit there. So we're going to dive into a little bit more, uh, maybe predictions for the upcoming season. I know last year we did our season predictions on the podcast and that was a a big hit. So we'll do that again. Steelers and NFL predictions. Um, Maybe this week, maybe uh, the week after we'll see, have to talk to Andrew about that and get down what we're going to do. And then the Q and a, it's going to focus on what we're hearing out of training camp, uh, talking with special guests as always. And um, still trying to nail down who it's going to be, but keep stay tuned for that. Uh, coming up this Sunday night. And then again, I will be at training camp on Saturday. So look for a lot of uh, content from me over the weekend about that. And I'm sure I'll be talking about that on some shows the next week. For sure. All right, Jeremy, enjoy training camp. I look forward to hearing about it. In the meantime, man, be safe and uh, we'll talk to you. Sounds good, man. Have a good one. All right. See you. All right, and a big thank you to Jeremy for taking the time. A big thank you to the Cawcast guys in the first half as well. I do appreciate them uh, just you know giving of their time to, to talk about football, and in this case, the Steelers and Ravens. Uh, and I hope Jeremy has a great time at training camp. That's going to be excited. I'm going to be excited to talk to him about that. Let's finish this with a heart-to-heart. It's going to be brief. You know, talking about the Ravens, talking about the Bengals and Browns uh, a few weeks ago, it, c- it comes down to this, and I often forget about this. I look at the schedule. And I always say, man, you know, you're looking at this game and this primetime game and that game on Thursday night and this game on Monday night. And wow, they got to go to the West Coast. All this stuff. We talk about all this minutia, but what does it really boil down to? It boils down to the freaking division. It boils down to can they can they go out there and win the division? I honestly think that the Steelers, if they can stay healthy, have a legitimate shot at the division. Are they likely to win it? No. Uh, But could they win it? If, like I said, they stay healthy, the ball bounces their way a few times, I think absolutely they could win it. So it all comes down to the division, and those games are so difficult. Last year, every single team in the AFC North went 3-3. Three and three. Could the Steelers improve to maybe 4-2? and two? They'd have to sweep someone. Who would that be? Most would say Cleveland. I could say it could happen to Baltimore. We don't know. But, folks, when you look at the schedule and you're looking at trying to forecast everything, forget. Don't, don't forget what Mike Tomlin says all the time. You got to win your division games, you know? You got to win your division games. So hope you enjoyed these uh, these podcasts this week with the guests that I've had on, and it's a little bit different. 
I like to think outside the box. So, hey, spread the word out there, folks. Tell people about the Steel Curtain Network. Tell them about Steel, SteelCurtainNetwork.com and especially the Let's Ride podcast. If you're looking for a Let's Ride Ride or Die Crew t-shirt, go to my Twitter feed at jhartman, H-A-R-T-M-A-N underscore P-I-T. The pinned tweet at the top has all the information that you need to find that store so you can rep some gear. Great stuff. I'm going to be giving out some shirts here leading up to the regular season, so if you want a free one, make sure you're tuned in to our podcast because we're going to be giving some away. That does it for me, folks. I'll be back on Monday. Will there be a guest? I don't know. We'll find out. In the meantime, be safe, be kind, and God bless. Have a great weekend. We'll see you on Monday. Good to you.